Well, it is so good to see you back this week. I know I was out of town last week, but um, you know, it's been a chaotic week. We've had weddings, we've had funerals, we've had just different things going on on the heels of a Labor Day long weekend. But you know, you get messages occasionally that would just sort of set the tone to remind you of, of how beautiful the work of God is. And I got a text message this week from, from Chuck. If you remember Chuck, he was baptized back during, um, right after the COVID took place. And he sent me a, 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 a screenshot of something that his son Jacob had done for work. And it was what he inspired to be of what he wanted to become. And from a 10 year old little boy, it said a pastor. And man, when you can start seeing the fruits of that happen and the seeds planted in that in a 10 year old, um, there's something exciting, there's something sweet about that. But also with that, our future pastor turns 10 years old today. So today is his birth. Where's Jacob at? Is he there? He's really, look at him, he's grinning. Most little kids get embarrassed. He's going, it's mine. So if y'all get a chance, y'all make sure y'all let him know that. But hey, we're gonna be praying for you as you continue doing what God wants you to do and you be sensitive to that. But, but hey, um, we're gonna jump right back in chapter three this week. No, we're not in chapter four yet. Um, and you know, I realized last week being out of town how thankful I am um, for what God has done here over um, the last eight, nine months because I was some 350 miles away and was able to find a little bit of cell phone service and was able to prop my phone up and to worship with you last Sunday. And so that was the beauty of, of the live stream. And so I was able to, to be able to worship and listen to, to the word that, that God gave Jared last week. And so we're gonna piggyback off what he was sharing last week about a family resemblance and looking in 1 John. And, and today we're just gonna look at a couple of more traits, but we're really gonna focus on one of those traits. And so we're gonna start reading today in chapter, in verse 13, of chapter three of 1 John. So I want you to read with me in verses 13 through 19, and then we're just gonna kind of go back and look at some of these verses. But John writes, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Man, what a way to start a day. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love the word or let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know this that we are of the truth and we will assure our heart before him. We're going to start today where kind of we're going to end, if you would. Look at verse 18 and we'll read it again. It says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue but in deed and in truth. And so what John is go ahead and teeing up here is he's saying, look, don't just talk about it. Don't just talk about it. Let's show it, 
and let's prove it. Now, I've got an example that'll kind of set the, te- the tone for, for what John is, is kind of letting us understand here and what he's wanting us to understand. You know, yesterday I was kind of stuck in a predicament, okay? This is a lighthearted example, so you can kind of relax. I'm going to y'all all like, mm. He's already said the world's going to hate us, so this is going to be serious. But yesterday I was kind of put in what I call an opening day dilemma. Yeah. Opening day dilemma. And look, although I look cool, okay, y'all are laughing already. What's that supposed to I dress trendy. Um, I'm, that, that is the, God, I heard a chuckle over there from a kid. Golly, that, that was Deacon. That was my daughter who's chuckling at me. I, although I may look trendy and cool, deep down, I'm a little country. And y'all laugh because there's, y'all hear it, right? And so the opening day dilemma that I'm talking about, when I say opening day, if you were like me, you know what opening day means. And Mark yelled it out a minute ago. Yesterday was the opening day of what? Bow season, season, deer season, however you want to look at it. However, where the dilemma comes from is for my 11-year-old, It was also opening day of soccer season. I waited all week for that schedule to find out what time the game was. You guessed it, nine o'clock yesterday morning. So, you know, in the whole house, we say I love you a lot. If you've been around my kids, you have heard them tell you they love you. Now, I tell Cooper that I love him all the time. And so had I spoken to him and said, Cooper, I want you to know I love you, buddy, but... It's opening day of deer season. So I had a choice to make. Do I just tell my son I love him or do I show my son I love him? And so the opening day dilemma, the decision that was made is that I was at Allen Creek yesterday morning at 8.30 in the pouring down rain watching a soccer game. Now, I know we can laugh at that and I know that that truthfully, there was not really that big of a decision to be made. I love my boy. I was not gonna miss opening day because he's not played soccer in like seven or eight months now. Last season was canceled. And so I wasn't gonna miss it for anything, but I used as an example is I could tell him that I love him, but what proved to him that I loved him is that I was there for him that I was there to watch him, that I was there to cheer for him. And my choice was, am I gonna choose my son or am I gonna choose my hobby? But truthfully, it wasn't that big of a decision because of the love that I have for him and the love that I try to show him. And you know, it's easy for us to say that we love God. It's easy for us to say that we love people. But what's gonna prove that is what we show. Love is expressed by action. Love is expressed by what we do. And we're gonna talk about that action a little bit more in just a little while, but I wanna go ahead and and go back to where we started in verse 13 and warn you of what's going to happen when we do this. Verse 13, very simple to understand. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. If the world hates you, you. 
Now, you know, Jared mentioned last week some of the the traits that you carry of your parents or the the traits that you carry of your family members. And, And let's just be honest. There's some of those traits we love and there's some of those traits that we hate. Look, I had dreams and aspirations of being an NBA basketball star. Why y'all laughing? So the trait that I picked up from my five foot two mother, gee, thanks mom. You're the reason I'm standing here. I'm just kidding. Well, they're, no, I'm not, so not kidding. But, but the truth is, is there's some traits that we love. There's some traits that we don't love. But we're told here is that that God, as he molds us into the image of his son, as he shows us and teaches us how to love the way his son loves, the more we look like the father, the more we look like the son of God, go ahead and get ready because the more resemblance we carry of him, the more we're gonna be hated. So the more traits, the more we look like the father's son, the more the world is going to despise us because they don't understand it. You know, and, and, and Jesus even speaks to this. If flip back to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, the gospel of John. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. These are the words of Jesus here. Listen to what Jesus says. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were in the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not in the world or of the world, but I chose you out of the world. And because of this, the world hates you. Now this word world goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning of 1 John. This, the context of this word world is anything that opposes God. So anything that opposes God is going to hate the characteristics of God that we as followers of Christ express, that we live out and that we show. Because the truth is, is as we're carrying out this trait of love, you understand that something for us to love is is not something that we inherently are born with. Yes, we're gonna love certain things, but we as, as, as human beings are born with a sin nature and that sin nature is a selfish nature. That sin nature is a self-centered, self-focused, please me, I live for me, it's all about me. But when a moment of salvation, when, when this Holy Spirit comes in and floods our life, what we begin to see is the transformation process of of us going from being selfish to being selfless. And so this is something that the world doesn't understand because they're still living with that sinful, sinful, selfish nature that they are born with. But when we are born again, when we receive this new birth through the power of the Holy Spirit, Now, all of a sudden, this supernatural transformation happens in us and the world doesn't understand it because it's totally against the way that we're all born. When we go from being selfish to selfless. And you know, we read that in John 3.30 when he says, he must increase, 
I must decrease. But then John, man, he, he just sort of lays out and sets the standard. Look at verse, verse 16 as we see the standard that is set. We could really just stop here and be and call it a day. We know love, talking we, born again believers, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for others. You see, the way a believer knows love is by this example. That God gave his only son and that only son gave his life. That's a pretty high standard. That's not just talking about it. This is seeing it put into action. We don't know love by what Jesus said. We don't know love by Jesus wearing a WWJD bracelet. We don't know love by Jesus wearing he would love first bracelet. We don't know love by what church Jesus attended. We don't know love by how much Jesus served in the church. Why we know love is because he laid down his life. That's how we know love. But you see, we as church members... We think that we show love by telling what church we attend on Sundays. And sometimes that could be humiliating to that church by the way we act outside the church walls. Are we showing love by our actions? He laid down his life and he died and it doesn't become any more selfless than that. You know, love is not just a failure to do evil to someone, but it's intentionally doing good. Love is not just a failure to do evil, but it's to intentionally do good for someone. Christian love requires sacrifice. Christian love requires service. And Jesus Christ didn't just talk about it. He did it. He laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for me. And I want you to hear this. I found this quote and it says, self-preservation is the first law of our physical and fleshly life. But self-sacrifice is the law of spiritual life. So when we are transformed by the movement of the Holy Spirit in us, we now take on this self-sacrificing spirit to where we're willing to do whatever to show God's love to whomever. You know, when we read all throughout, one of the best, I, I love the idea of the good shepherd. There's, so if you've ever studied a shepherd and what a shepherd does for his flock, it's mind blowing at all of the stuff as the more you research it and look into it. But we see this example set when Jesus is talking about being a good shepherd back in John chapter 10. The good shepherd talks about a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now I know we've, we've heard that since probably Bible school. We've heard that since we were little children. 
But you know, I know when I always think about this good shepherd and I I picture a shepherd on a hillside and he's overseeing his sheep, I've always kind of envisioned that they were just in the the most dangerous situation in the world. And I kind of had this Wizard of Oz moment that that the shepherd just walks around all the time going, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And they're just freaking out because they're thinking they're gonna lose their life for all of the sheep. But the reality is, is when you really truthfully look at a shepherd, It was very rare that a shepherd ever lost his life for the sheep. He very seldom ever got killed by a bear. He very seldom ever got killed by a lion or a tiger. Oh my, it was very seldom that that happened. But what we understand about a shepherd is that he was willing to lose it all. He was willing to lay down his life. Because in most cases, a shepherd was simply a provider. A shepherd was simply one who, if he saw a sheep alone, he went and found them. If he saw a sheep hungry, he fed them. If he saw a sheep scared, he comforted them. If he saw one in danger, he did protect. If he saw one thirsty, he led them to water. But ultimately, I want you to hear this. Here is the role of a shepherd. He gave up his agenda to put the needs of his sheep first. He gave up his agenda to put the needs of his sheep first. And in short, it says this, say no to me and say yes to others. That's pretty simple. You wanna show love? You wanna show a self-sacrificing love? You wanna show a a Christ-like love? Say no to yourself and say yes to others. Because remember, your flesh wants you to say yes to you. The Holy Spirit wants you to say no to you and say yes to others. But that is a supernatural transformation And so we see that in verse 17. Verse 17, John continues on and he says, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Are we willing to say no to our wants and say yes to others' needs? You see, this is the very thing Jesus did. And and I've probably shared this half a dozen to a dozen times here. You understand that before Christ went to the cross, he went to the garden three separate times and he prayed, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. My want to God is I don't wanna die this way. My want, God, my want, Father, is that that there's gotta be another way for salvation. There's gotta be another way to redeem your people. So God, I don't wanna die this way. However, not my will, but your will be done. You see, what Jesus did in that moment is he put his wants to the side and he took on the role to fulfill yours and my need. He died to his want so that he could fulfill our need. That's called selfless. That's called love. 
Our need outweighed his want. But you know, it doesn't stop there. His death, I want you to hear this. His death is not just a demonstration for us as believers to sit and gaze upon and go, man, he loved me. Because that's very easy to do. But our role as a follower of Christ is to not just sit and gaze at the sacrifice of what Jesus did, but the more we understand this sacrifice, the more we understand what he did, we understand that his death is the only way we receive life. That's it. His death is the only way we receive life. So here's the question. Will we give up things in our life so that others can have a better life? Will we give up things in our life so that others can have a better life? And then John mentions seeing one in need. And if we see one in need, are we willing to give up our worldly things? Again, a worldly thing in this context is talking about something that will not last. Newsflash, your bank account won't last. The toys that we have won't last. And so John punches us right in the mouth. And I believe with everything in me, the reason that he addresses worldly things, monetary things, is because he knows enough about us as human beings that if we will give up all of our toys, if we'll give up all of our worldly wants and desires, then there's probably not much else that we won't give up. Because man, just to be honest, we hold those things true to our heart. We hold these worldly things close to our heart and John is thinking in his mind, if I can get them to let go of that, they'll let go of more. But you know, I know John is specifically talking about monetary things. But as I was praying this week and I was asking the Lord to give direction on today, I don't think we're getting ahead of what God's word's saying. I don't think we're trying to put words in John's mouth. I don't think we're taking this out of context because what the Holy Spirit laid on on my heart is this, is that, that this goes much beyond monetary things. This goes much beyond material things because you realize this, everything you have, everything you have, everything you have is from him. Yes, I'm talking about monetary things. I'm talking about your treasures. Yes, all that is from him. You say, well, Brian, I've worked hard for that. Who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the breath in your lungs to do what you do? Who gave you the skill set that you have to accomplish what you do? He did. So it's from him. And so if you've been here any time, you've heard us mention these three words. Yes, he's given you your treasures. But your talents are also from him. 
and your time is also from him. Everything you have is from him. Everything you have is from him. What do you have? What has he given you that could help meet the need of someone else? What has God given you that could help you meet the need of someone else? What has eternal value that he wants you to surrender? What could you be making an investment in that has the potential to change someone's life? Financially, yes. But what would it look like if you simply surrendered your time? What would it look like if you simply surrendered your time? And you may be thinking, well, Brian, what, what, what do you mean by, what do you mean by surrendering your time? Before I talk about what it means to surrender your time, the first thing I want you to hear is that myself, this staff, this team, we love you enough that we wanna call you to a higher standard. We love you enough to let you know that God has given you things that has the potential to change someone's life. We love you enough that I'm willing to hold you accountable. We love you enough that we wanna raise the bar. We love you enough that I wanna make you uncomfortable. Because a rubber band doesn't serve its purpose until it's stretched. And so what I'm saying when I say, what does it mean? What does it look like to surrender my time? As we begin to move forward, as we get ready to have a new membership class in just a few weeks, and, and I have no idea how many people, there's a lot of people that are becoming a new part of the family here at, at Chestnut Mountain Church, and I am so excited about this. And what we're gonna challenge every new member is just to simply listen to this. This is gonna kind of be very humbling because it was even to myself. We're gonna challenge every new member of this church to simply let go of three hours a week. A week, not a day, not even every two days, but three hours in a week. And you're thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not in the new membership class. I don't care, you're gonna hear it in the month of October. <laughs> but those three hours we want you to be gathered corporately in worship in here. For one more hour, we want you to be involved in a small group. We want you to be doing life with people. And then we want one hour where you get to pour out, where you're serving, where you're doing something for the work of the kingdom. And that's what it looks like to surrender your time. I don't know, man, I've started this thing and I gotta figure out how to get it off because it's really rather depressing. Do y'all ever get those notifications that tells you your FaceTime on your phone for the week? <laughs> yeah. 
I can promise you it exceeds three hours a week. Are we willing to lay down our wants to fill someone else's need? You say, well, what is that need? What is that need you're talking about, pastor? What do y'all need now? I don't like to use the word need. I like to use the word opportunity. You know, we can laugh, but you do realize that as a follower of Jesus Christ, he allows us to walk step for step with him for the eternal purpose of changing lives. That is an opportunity that I don't think we can even wrap our minds around. God doesn't need us. But God says, I love you enough to let you be a part. You know, we laugh about football season coming up. I love it when you get on Facebook or you get on Instagram and you see all these people. They always use the word pronoun as we in reference to their football team. You're not part of the we. You're not. So quit saying, we, man, we had a tough game yesterday. You didn't have nothing yesterday. You were mad and depressed and you bashed the coach and you bashed the players. So you have a pronoun problem. You're not part of the team. You're just a cheerleader. But you know what's sad? Is there's a lot of we's that are sitting in here this morning. Again, I love you enough to tell you the truth. We love to applaud the things of God. We love to applaud the fact that we're growing. We love to applaud the fact, but church, here's the reality. It's time we stop clapping and it's time we put our hands on the plow. What would it look like if this body of believers quit coming and being fans of Jesus and we truly became followers of Jesus? Because man, I can tell you right now, there's an opportunity that's about to happen in the next 45 minutes, within the next 45 minutes in our students. You know, there's 75 students that are showing up on Sunday morning to be a part of small group. 75 students. So guess what? I know a place we could use you for an hour. You understand that over the last nine months that we've seen between 30 and 40 new families here at Chestnut Mountain Church? Guess what? They all got babies. I swear every one of them do. They've all got kids. So guess what? Downstairs, there's opportunity. Not a need, but there is opportunity for you to be a part of the transformation of children, of students. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more rewarding. No, you can't give them salvation. You can't save them. But man, God allows you to be a part of the process. God allows you to be a part of the process. You know, one of the biggest wins that we have felt that we've seen over since we've been opened 
is one thing I've heard from all the new families, from all the new faces is how intentional we are about loving people, how intentional we are about trying to learn people's names, how intentional we are to have people standing on the street corners holding up new signs saying, we're so glad you're here. You do understand, I want you to hear this. Do you realize that every person that visits our campus in most cases have made up their mind in the first five to seven minutes of being on campus if they're gonna be back next week? So guess what? They ain't coming back to hear me. They're not coming back to hear the band. They're coming back on how they were loved and received in the parking lot. Guess what? There's an opportunity for you to be the reason people come back. One example. I won't share any names just for embarrassment, but the first week we were open, uh, there was a man that came by and he, he said, I just had to come to church. He said, my church is not open yet, but it's where I wanna be. I just gotta be at church. And so he was signed in on the iPad. Some of you probably find that annoying, but he was signed in on the iPad. And then as he approached the door the next week, the person checking him in, guess what? Called him by name. Called him by name. And his tears welled up in his eyes. He said, I've been a part of another church for years and nobody's ever called me by name. There's opportunity, church. There's opportunity for you to be a part of what God is doing. But are you willing to say no to your want and to say yes to someone else's need? We're launching a ministry on September 22nd, Celebrate Recovery. Man, what an opportunity. We got a team here that's been preparing for the last several months. But they need volunteers to, to serve food. Let me back that up there's an opportunity for us to serve food. There's an opportunity for us to love people that probably don't feel loved. You pull up this morning, there's a, a bus outside, Hurricane Relief. It's gonna be out there for the next three Sundays. You have an opportunity. There's people a few states over that are in dire need of us. But are you willing to say no to your want and say yes to someone else's need? And I know it may intimidate you. You think, well, man, I, I can't. Whew, being around teenagers, no way. You know who one of those was? My wife. When I was called into ministry and we started in middle school ministry, you know what she said? I hate middle schoolers. <laughs> Didn't you, Chels? She's still saying, yeah. Do you still hate middle schoolers? No, she doesn't. She loves them. You may think, well, I, kids intimidate me. Hey, I'll be honest. I'm right there with you. 
kids intimidate the heck out of me. You think, well, Brian, you got a half a dozen of them. I don't care. They still do. They still do. Babies? I don't do babies. Brian, you want me to stand out in the parking lot and wave at somebody? You want me to hold a sign? Brian, you want me to, to try to check people in? It's not about what Brian wants you to do. But it's about what the Holy Spirit of God leads you to do. And I hope you're uncomfortable because those are some of the most rewarding things is to see people absolutely scared out of their mind the first time they say yes, but then in several weeks, you can't even pull them away from it. My wife, for example, one of them. We'd been here several weeks and she was doing the pastor's wife role. She was following me around everywhere I went. We were going to a different small group every Sunday trying to meet everybody and it wasn't very long. She said, Brian, I've got to be serving. I've got to be with teenagers. That's something only the work of the Holy Spirit can do. <laughs> you say, well, I, I don't know what role I would play. Uh, and look, I'm not here to tell you, hey, if you do this, you do that, here'll be the role, here's exactly what'll happen. That's not what I'm, all I'm simply asking you to do this morning is to seek God's direction on your role in this church. Here's the reality. If God's called you here, he's called you here for a purpose. He's not called you here to come and sit this one hour a week. He's called you here because you have a skill set, you have a talent, you have a heart, you have something that he wants to use to help fulfill the mission that God has given Chestnut Mountain Church and that's to saturate the world with the good news. He has sent you here for that purpose. And so all I'm simply asking you to do is get on your face. Proverbs 3, 6 says, if you acknowledge him, he will direct he will tell you. He will show you what he has for you. Because you know, you have no idea what people are carrying when they show up on this campus. You know, there's students every week. There's teenagers every week that may never hear the words, I love you. Do you know I've had students say that before? Brian, the reason I come on Wednesday nights is because I know you're gonna say you love me. You talk about something heartbreaking. How many people that pull up in this parking lot are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. And you simply say hi. You simply say, we're glad you're here. When they may have never heard that they were glad they were, somebody was glad they were anywhere. But the question is, is are we willing to surrender our wants 
to meet the need of someone else. And we know love by this, that he laid down his life. And because he laid down his life, guess what, church? We too should lay down our lives. Are we physically gonna probably die because we're out here greeting someone in the parking lot? Not unless somebody drives very, very dangerously. But you are playing the role of a shepherd. You have an opportunity to provide. You have an opportunity to comfort. You have an opportunity to love. And so here's how we're gonna end today. Here's how we're gonna respond today. Maybe today you need to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, number one, and say, Brian, I'm not even a believer. I've been coming from several weeks, but I felt the Holy Spirit drawing me to himself. And it's time that I surrender because I realized he laid down his wants to meet my need. And that was salvation through his death. Maybe you need to place your faith and your trust in that today. But church, I'm gonna ask that we get very, 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 very honest with ourselves this morning and that maybe we get in this altar, maybe we spread out all over this room and say, God, what do I have? What, God, have you given me that you want me to let go of so that I can meet the needs of other people? Is it my treasures? Is it a talent that I have? Or God, is it simply my time? And so I would ask you this morning, look, this is for you. As a follower of Christ, this is your opportunity to seek his direction for you today. And so I don't even know what this response looks like because here's here's where we gotta be careful. A lot of times people will come and, and lay it down, but then they don't know what to do with it next. And I haven't planned this, but if you'll remember in the back of all of the seats, there's a card. And if God allows you to know that where he wants you to serve today, I want you to put your name on that card. I want you to put your contact information on that card. And on the back, I want you to write whatever it is that God's told you. If it's youth, if it's children, if it's preschool, if it's parking lot, if it's greeters, if it's small group, whatever it is, if it's missional. Because while we may be landed right now, we're gonna be getting back on airplanes pretty soon. We've got a block party coming up in was October huh? 24th. It's gonna be an opportunity, a day we as the church are gonna be outside these walls. But if you fill out one of those cards, drop it in that box this morning, or better yet, better yet. I want you to leave it in this altar this morning. Fill it out. I want you to leave it here. And you will be contacted. But let's just be obedient to what God leads us to do. If you'll go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. God, we thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're gonna do right now. God, I know there's plenty of people in this room, God, that are wrestling, trying to find their place. They're trying to find their calling. But God, today I pray that they would simply spend time with you this morning and asking what that looks like. That God speak to our hearts today. 
What do we have, God, that you want us to let go of so that you can use it to meet the needs of others? And God, we thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're gonna do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.